Businesses on the brink of collapse. Deferring rent isn't really going to help us. Troubling indicators of looming economic failure. The struggle to recover. It was a lot worse than I thought. One nurse's agonizing infection and why she's fighting pressure to go back to work. And revealing the Canucks all-time roster. After 65,000 votes, the dream defensemen who make the team. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Mixed news tonight when it comes to the COVID-19 pandemic in this province. The latest numbers from BC health officials show 55 new cases for a total of 2,048. In the past 24 hours, we've seen two additional deaths. But about half of the new cases, sorry, what was the number? About half of the new cases, 2,000, 2000, sorry, I had the number wrong on here. Fair enough. But about half of the new cases are from two poultry plants that have had outbreaks. Keith Baldry explains why that's a positive and the message from health officials today. Right now, we have, as people are aware, a number of community outbreaks as well. There remain two significant hotspots for COVID-19, both poultry processing plants owned by the same company. 80 people associated with the facilities have now tested positive for the virus. And the majority of our cases today come from the ongoing investigations in uh, two um, poultry producing uh, plants, including 46 cases now associated with superior poultry, and that's the largest increase uh, related to that today and 34 cases related to United Poultry. Other than those two clusters, the case numbers remain largely positive as both hospitalization rates and ICU rates remain stable and recoveries continue their steady climb. But the poultry plants remain a concern. Such of, of the 55 uh, uh, cases reported on by Dr. Henry today, 39 are in the Fraser Health Authority reflecting um, the situation that's gone on at Superior Poultry and, uh, and that tells us why we have to continue to be vigilant, especially in workplaces. But even with these two community outbreaks, Dr. Bonnie Henry says a reopening plan is in the works, likely for next month. I still think we're looking at uh, mid to end May. Um, you know, I still want to see things going down, um, but these outbreaks are, are known outbreaks. But just in case things do get out of hand, the health minister provided an update of personal protection equipment that continues to arrive in B.C. We've received the following from vendors and donors. Over 170,000 N95 respirators, over 350,000 pieces of eye protection, that's face shields and goggles, over 100,000 surgical masks, over 185,000 gowns, and almost 5 million pairs of gloves. All right, Keith Baldry joins us now live from Victoria. Keith, every night we show the number of people, the people of, who have recovered from this virus, mm -hmm. but that's not necessarily the metric we need to look at when it comes to determining when we're going to reopen the province. Yeah, you know, we keep posting that number, and it gets higher and higher every day, thank goodness, and it's now exceeding 1,200. Uh, but we've always wondered what the, the contextual uh, analysis of that number is. How does it fit into the giant scheme of things? Dr. Bonnie Henry's never really been asked about that before, but she was today. Uh, and here's her response. 
it is an important piece, but as you can tell, it's not a huge number. And we have been, you know, because of the work that everybody's done here in BC, we have not had dramatic increases and large numbers of people infected. So what that tells us is we don't have enough people who are immune in our population to have that community immunity that we need to prevent transmission. It's not a factor necessarily that will help us know when we're ready to uh, reopen connections uh, where there's a possibility that transmission may increase again. So that number will continue to climb hopefully every day. Uh, but again, it doesn't play a huge role in determining the reopening. Everybody's uh, anxious to see. Uh, look for another week or so before we get to that stage in terms of reopening, in terms of the, some of the details. We're not at Ontario and uh, Quebec's position right now because we haven't shut down our economy or our businesses anywhere near to the point that Ontario and Quebec have. That's why their sort of coming out plans are so much more substantive because they've closed so much more, many more things in those two provinces. Ours is much more modest. And we've bent the curve in much more impressive fashion than those other two provinces have done, even when we've had fewer restrictions. Numbers don't lie. All right. Thanks very much, Keith. A BC nurse who's recovering from COVID-19 has a warning tonight for her fellow frontline workers. As Nadia Stewart reports, she's worried that short staffing problems could lead some nurses, doctors and others to return too soon. I was fine one day and the next day, uh, even turning in bed from one side to the other was a huge chore. Mahi Etmanan no longer has COVID-19. Two negative tests have cleared her of the virus, but the lingering symptoms caught her by surprise. I had a chest x-ray and it showed that my lungs are still quite inflamed and I ended up being on a puffer. Edmanon is a registered nurse who contracted the virus the first week of March. She's a cancer survivor and works at both St. Paul's and a private cosmetic surgery clinic in Vancouver. The clinic is closed, but she was hoping to return to the front lines once she recovered from the virus. She's warning other nurses and healthcare professionals a full recovery could take weeks. I was getting well and I was planning to go back, um, you know, last week and I started having the cough. I had to tell my employers that I'm not ready to come back because I don't want to put myself at risk again and put other peoples at risk. Other nurses we've spoken with say they're focused on healing, protecting themselves and patients. While there might be a demand for some specialized healthcare workers, there isn't a hard and fast protocol around healthcare workers returning to work post-virus. In those cases, it's up to the worker and supervisor to sort out what a safe return to work looks like. It may be that um, people are asked to come in if they um, were potentially part of an outbreak, but we can't provide safe care without that skill set or that person or that number of people there. Etmanon says her employer has not insisted she return to work, and she's hopeful other bosses won't pressure their workers to rush back. You have to take that extra time to make sure you're completely healed. Nadia Stork, Global News. Health officials also updating the modeling numbers for the country today, saying Canada is slowing the spread of COVID-19, but they say the death toll could explode if strict measures don't remain in place. The modeling shows that with strong controls, Canada will likely see between 4 and 44,000 deaths over the course of the pandemic. Right now, the trajectory is on the low end, but with weaker controls, the numbers are bad. A worst-case scenario could see as many as 80% of Canadians infected, resulting in more than 350,000 deaths. One of the major factors, 
long-term care homes accounting for nearly 80% of the total deaths in Canada. Well, despite the massive pledges of financial aid from the federal and provincial governments, there's a fresh round of warnings about just how big a hit the COVID crisis has made on many businesses and the economy as a whole. Aaron MacArthur reports. For Richard Camp, the pandemic hit at the worst possible time. Dynasty Gym had just expanded to a second location, and now 13 people are unemployed. The business partners aren't sure if they'll survive. Depending how long it goes, um, our financial situation is, is dire. Um, we have a little bit saved up that may be able to get us through. The job losses around BC are at a scale no one has ever seen before. More than 130,000 people out of work in March, and according to the BC Business Council, maybe twice that many by the end of April. Particularly hard hit, youth. A presentation to the Surrey Board of Trade spelled it all out. Yeah, so we lost more than twice the number of jobs we lost in the last recession in a single month. On the government side of the equation, massive revenue shortfalls. A report from RBC this week estimates BC will post a $5 billion deficit. According to business leaders, restarting the economy will take government at all levels willing to back off on regulations. Red tape has grown relentlessly, uh, both at the federal and provincial and the municipal government level. This is an opportunity to maybe shake things up. 25% of Dynasty's clients have continued to pay their membership fees for the last month and a half out of loyalty. But even if they are allowed to reopen, there's no guarantee the rest of the client base will come back. Deferring rent isn't really going to help us because basically it's just kicking the can down the road. The fallout from this pandemic will be felt across the economy for years to come. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. An organization representing landlords in B.C. says their renters are not receiving enough help during the COVID-19 pandemic. Landlord B.C. says the monthly rent supplement of $300 to $500 isn't enough, and they're calling on the provincial government to double it. They say landlords are anticipating a spike in the number of tenants unable to pay their rent at the beginning of next month. They'd also like to see the benefit extended through to August 2020. It's a message we've heard many times now from political leaders and our top doctors. Society will not fully return to normal until a COVID-19 vaccine is widely available. So what will happen with those who refuse to get their children vaccinated? Will those kids be allowed to attend school? Richard Zussman reports. You want it? It's the question on the minds of parents like Katie Klun. When the COVID-19 vaccine arrives in the province, should it be mandatory for kids at all BC schools? If it was on the regular schedule for uh, childhood vaccinations, then yeah, I would, I would think it should be mandatory. A year ago, Clun launched a petition calling for mandatory vaccines following a measles outbreak. It gathered nearly 60,000 signatures. B.C. doesn't have a mandatory vaccination policy aiming for herd immunity. The province's top doctor says that policy won't change. It will be voluntary for those who, who want it and need it. There are other options. In September, the province implemented a mandatory immunization reporting program requiring parents of unvaccinated children to speak with public health officials. In terms of a public health program around vaccination, 
Um, that is going to be something that has to be widespread in order to be effective. Health officials are targeting a vaccine release in 12 to 18 months. Alleged a poll released Tuesday found 60% of Canadians believe the vaccine should be mandatory. The key with all of this is to not focus on a very small group of people who don't want to be immunized, but focused on getting the largest group who, of course, will want to be immunized. Vaccines, just one issue the school system is grappling with. On Tuesday, an acknowledgement the province could do more to help the most vulnerable students. Inclusion isn't about separate treatment, it's about belonging from the start and not as an afterthought. And we're finding that it's a bit mixed around the province. For now, the province is planning on returning some students to schools before there is a vaccine. But we'll be watching closely on what unfolds in places like New Zealand, where schools are about to reopen. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Vancouver police were investigating a stabbing on the downtown east side that's left a 27-year-old man fighting for his life. The victim was attacked near East Hastings and Maine early Sunday morning. An assault of this magnitude where somebody was stabbed uh, and they were fighting for their life, he does remain in hospital at this time. Uh, we know that somebody does know uh, about this assault and has information that will be able to assist in the investigation. One of the province's top doctors is warning the two ongoing public health crises are merging together on the downtown east side and the consequences will be deadly. Dr. Patricia Daly says since the COVID crisis began, fewer drug users are visiting overdose prevention sites, which will lead to a spike in deaths. Grace Key reports. In one recent week, there were eight overdose deaths in the downtown east side. It's one of the unintended consequences of the COVID-19 pandemic. More people are dying alone in their rooms. Because of fear around COVID-19, which we've really only seen at very low levels in that community, that people are not accessing life-saving services such as overdose prevention. And we've actually seen a little bit of a spike of overdose deaths in March and April. There are normally 6,000 visits a week at overdose prevention sites. Since the pandemic, that's dropped to 2,000 a week due to concerns over exposure from both operators and visitors. Work is being done to change that through education. The advice about staying two metres apart, that's general recommendations. But if you need life-saving services that requires you to be closer than that, then obviously you should makes use of those life-saving services. No one has died in the downtown east side from COVID-19, so the greater concern is overdose deaths. And there's only a handful of positive cases. The testing rate is 40 per thousand. That's more than double the rest of the health authority. Of the people we test, and these are all people who have some symptoms of COVID-19, only 1.6% in the downtown east side have been positive. That means we've only had a handful of people with COVID-19. The reason numbers are so low it's a relatively closed community and no returning travelers would have gone to the area. That's how the virus was first introduced in most places. If we see cases, it's likely to be either through workers or others who are new to the community bringing in the virus. And if we can identify it early, we can prevent it from spreading. Shelters have also been thinned out and people moved to temporary spaces. Access to essential care and services also remains a focus and an effort to stay ahead of the pandemic in this vulnerable population. Grace Key, Global News. Lawn watering restrictions for Metro Vancouver homeowners go into effect on Friday, and you'll have to get up pretty early to do it. Under the Stage 1 rules, residents can water their lawn just two mornings per week 
between 4 a.m. and 9 a.m. If your home has an even-numbered address, your days are Wednesday and Saturday. Odd-numbered addresses get Thursdays and Sundays. The most recent snowpack surveys in the Capilano, Seymour, and Coquitlam watersheds found slightly lower than average levels for this time of year. But those reservoir levels are expected to reach 100% by June. The watering restrictions will remain in place until October 15th. Well, after years of explosive growth, the craft brewing industry is taking a beating with 80% of the workforce now off the job due to the COVID crisis. What some small brewers are doing to survive in just over a minute. Vice President Mike Pence visits a hospital in the middle of the COVID pandemic and a lot of people notice something that made them very uncomfortable about it. That's later. And how about this tribute to healthcare workers in New York City? Why you couldn't miss it coming up right now, though, it's been one of BC's big growth industries over the past decade or so. But craft brewers are really struggling through the COVID-19 pandemic. They've had to close their popular tasting rooms. And as Paul Johnson has uh, reports tonight, uh, he has a look at what they're doing to survive. Hopping up the brew at Strange Fellows in East Van. This is what survival mode looks like. I'm smiling at the moment, talking to you this way. I mean, you know, there's a lot of sleep lost. The flourishing of beer culture in BC is a relatively new thing, enabled by government easing of the rules around where you can sell beer and the public's demand for new and exquisite brews. We do a lot of Belgian styles, but we also do lots of IPA. We do, you know, Pilsner. We do all sorts of things. But many of BC's best-loved craft brewers are small outfits and independents. The shutdown of their tasting rooms and the loss of the keg business has left them in an existential crisis. The COVID downturn, uh, we were hit first, we were hit hardest, and we think we'll be the slowest to recover. People have been gathering to drink beer together for thousands of years. That's not going to go away. But the question is, when all of this is over, what will BC's craft beer business look like? One survival strategy has been the race to pivot. Strange Fellows has been able to sell cans and they're doing deliveries. Others who can distill have retooled to make hand sanitizer. But it doesn't come close to the business of crowded rooms at happy hour. One in five craft brewers are expected to not make it. Now there's a kind of a new normal that we're in. Um, and, and now that we've made some changes to the business and sadly laid off a lot of people, I can picture us staying afloat. In East Van, Paul Johnson, Global News. Coquitlam RCMP are asking for the public's help in identifying a suspect in two robberies of a sandwich shop back in March. Surveillance video shows the alleged robber inside the store around 10 p.m. on both March 6th and March 14th. Police say the suspect allegedly pulled out a knife before jumping over the counter and stealing money from the cash register. He's described as white, between 20 and 30 years old, six feet tall with a slim build. Anyone with information is asked to contact Coquitlam RCMP or Crime Stoppers. Up ahead, ever heard of a car in quarantine? I told her to uh, call roadside assistance. Why the four-wheeled patient was left to languish at a dealership. Also coming up, COVID has changed the game for the CFL. What the league says it needs to survive.
Traffic is in good shape over here tonight at the Portman Bridge. Minimal delays east and west. There is just a bit of congestion eastbound through the Burnaby Lake stretch on the approach. To help you stay safe and at home, Rona is offering free parcel shipping and curbside pickup with online purchases at rona.ca. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Portman Bridge. The province is trying to ease the concerns of remote communities worried about the spread of COVID-19, especially now that hunting and fishing seasons are beginning. As Ted Chernecki reports, it follows a strong message sent by residents of Haida Gwaii to potential visitors. When the ferry arrived in Haida Gwaii yesterday, there was a large crowd on hand not to greet it. Non-locals aren't welcome during the pandemic. Think of all of our elders that live in our communities. We're trying to keep them safe. We only have two ventilators on all of Haida Gwaii, so we need to uh, protect, protect our people. We don't have the luxury of driving down to another community to access their medical resources. The little we have is barely enough for our day-to-day -day medical situations. Rumor had it that several sport fishermen were arriving, but... There were no tourists on that ferry. Uh, everybody on that ferry was either a resident or an essential service. In fact, the individuals the essential service were there to deal with uh, an oil spill. The smallpox outbreak in 1862 devastated BC's Aboriginal population, by some estimates killing 60 to 70 percent of northern natives. So with a pandemic that's particularly hard on the elderly, you can understand the fear. So we've lost a lot of our, our language. Uh, our traditional knowledge and, and what we have left, we have to do everything we can to protect those elders who carry that knowledge forward. Our regions are unique and the province currently is using a provincial lens on how they're treating COVID-19. And we wanted to ensure that our unique situation was addressed and heard. Many rural coastal communities have expressed similar concerns, but BC's Minister of Public Safety assures the province is ready if our flattened curve suddenly spikes upward. The Premier last week, in fact, announced significant resources and, uh, and plans in place to assist in any uh, requirements uh, related to the pandemic that are needed. Locals say there was one fisherman with boat in tow who got off the ferry yesterday but got back on it this morning after being refused fuel at the local gas station. Ted Chernecki, Global News. A healthcare worker in eastern Ontario says she had to wait several days to get her car fixed at a dealership. As Global's Sean O'Shea reports, it was put into quarantine, leaving her stranded with few options because of where she works. She uh, was on her way home from work. Uh, Tuesday evening, and the engine light came on. Ford owner Jason Wallace describing a problem with the family's 2020 Ford Escape Hybrid. On the Ford app, it told her to uh, call roadside assistance. So that's what we had done, and they towed it to the nearest dealership. For this Eastern Ontario family living in the village of Flinton, the dealership isn't far away. The problem arose after the dealership received the car. And they informed me that because of where my wife works, uh, the car would have to be quarantined for three days. Because she's a health care worker? Because she's a health care worker. Personal support worker in a long-term care facility in Belleville, about an hour away, where there have been cases of COVID-19. No, she's not sick at all. As far as I got was the mechanics were refusing to work on it. Ford of Canada told us in a statement that quarantining a car is recommended practice for vehicles coming into service areas to help protect technicians during the COVID-19 pandemic. Adding health officials have advised the coronavirus can remain on hard surfaces for three days. But auto repair shops all over Ontario are open, 
Many are not placing cars under quarantine, including at least two Ford dealerships we called. In the case of his wife's escape, another dealer was willing to look at it right away. Um, but unfortunately, roadside assistance needed to get paid for the tow. So in the end... Oh, it was there uh, six days. They'd have been happy with a rental car, but Ford says it could not provide one. A tough week for a long-term care worker serving others without the car she needed to get to work. And hopefully uh, this doesn't happen to other health care workers. Sean O'Shea, Global News, Flinton, Ontario. Still ahead, not a good look for the man leading the COVID task force in the U.S. Why Mike Pence is facing criticism after his trip to a hospital to visit COVID patients. Also tonight, extreme flooding in a community that's had more than its fair share of disaster. A rare look at the Golden Ears Bridge, where traffic is moving well in both directions. And good news, out in Langley, earlier crash that was westbound on Highway 1 near 232nd. To help you stay safe and at home, Rona is offering free parcel shipping and curbside pickup with online purchases at Rona.ca. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Golden Ears Bridge. Wow, quite a sight in the skies over New York City today. The U.S. Navy Blue Angels and the Air Force Thunderbirds flying high over the Big Apple, honoring frontline COVID-19 responders and essential workers. A spectacular sight and a big hit with healthcare workers cheering them on. Mm, well, they needed that boost today. Frontline healthcare workers in New York, already battling one of the most brutal COVID-19 outbreaks in the world, have suffered another devastating loss. Dr. Lorna Breen, a well-known emergency room physician at New York's Presbyterian Hospital, took her own life. She had returned to work after recovering from COVID-19, but was sent home. Her father says she had never suffered from mental illness before, but became detached while describing the horrors she had seen during the pandemic. He says she tried to do her job and it killed her. U.S. Vice President Mike Pence is being blasted for something he didn't do while visiting the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. Pence toured the facility without wearing a mask, despite the hospital's strict policy that all visitors are required to wear one to slow the spread of COVID-19. Everyone else is wearing one, but after the video was released, the clinic tweeted that it had told Pence about its mask policy. That tweet was deleted about a half hour later. Pence leads Donald Trump's coronavirus task force. Well, people in New Zealand are celebrating their freedom from a month-long lockdown by lining up for fast food and coffee. A trail of cars snaked around McDonald's and other outlets in Auckland, and several surfers returned to the beaches to hit the waves. The reopening of the country came after Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern shifted the alert level down a notch, loosening some of the tough movement restrictions that shut down businesses for weeks. Five million people in New Zealand were subjected to one of the strictest lockdowns in the world when much of the country closed on March 26th. The Prime Minister's mother is recovering in hospital after a fire at her apartment building in Montreal. Margaret Trudeau sustained minor injuries and is expected to make a full recovery. The late night fire appears to have started on an outdoor patio. 70 firefighters were called in to fight the flames. Three families were forced from the building. I know many of you have seen reports about my mom. I want to let you know that I've spoken with her and she's doing just fine. 
I'm thankful to everyone who's reached out and uh, want to also thank the first responders who were there doing an extraordinary job. More than 13,000 people are out of their homes in Fort McMurray, Alberta tonight as an ice jam and two rising rivers push flood water into the city. The regional municipality of Wood Buffalo issued a mandatory evacuation order for the city's downtown and surrounding areas. Water levels have risen up to six meters. Evacuees who need a place to stay are being put up at hotels and oil sands work camps. Some are forced to travel up to three hours from home to find a place to stay. We're also taking every measure to protect both evacuees and personnel from the pandemic. People have had to stay home, of course, because of COVID-19. And now we are telling people to leave their homes to stay safe from flood waters. This can be scary. The flooding has also caused a boil water advisory for all of Fort McMurray. Emergency officials say there's no clear timeline on how long it might take for the flood waters to recede. Well, the prospect of going to a hospital right now is no doubt daunting for many, and that includes expectant mothers. The maternity team at Vancouver St. Paul's Hospital is working to ease those fears, including the establishment of a new online program. Linda Aylesworth reports. As if living through a pandemic wasn't unnerving enough, imagine going through it when you're about to bring a new life into this world. Giving birth in COVID is, is, you know, always going to be a bit of a surreal experience for women. But, you know, just to make sure that they know that we're all um, we're all in, in this together. Together, in this case, refers to the maternity staff at St. Paul's Hospital, where in light of COVID-19, there have been a few changes. And on the maternity ward, there's a lot of precautions being taken. Uh, patients are staying in their own rooms. They're always reminded to clean their hands and everything is sanitized regularly. But what about before labor begins? St. Paul's has long offered on-site prenatal classes, not possible in these times of physical distancing. So we changed the plan and we used the Zoom technology and decided that we are going to trial running condensed versions of the prenatal classes. They recently started offering the virtual online classes to individual couples. Right now we are condensing everything that would be taught in a regular prenatal class that we offer. So how to prepare for birth, uh, what will happen and why you would come to the hospital. That kind of stuff they know all about. But conveying it virtually, that's different. Even so. With Zoom, I think across the board in BC, everybody's been really adapting. And I'm pretty impressed with both our moms and our nurses who are learning a new platform, just to, that they're making it work. Already, they're planning to expand the program to include postpartum issues. This could be something that will continue on. This virtual platform is something that will attract a lot of uh, attention even after COVID. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Still to come, the Victoria Clothing Company makes a new accessory. Their two-for-one deal yep. that's helping you and the homeless stay healthy in this pandemic. And 65,000 votes later, the Canucks' all-time defenseman about to be unveiled coming up in sports. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Everyone. <laughs> the special occasion that brought out the entire neighborhood, including the VPD's mounted unit, coming up after Christie's forecast. Looks like a street party. It does. All right, let's check in with meteorologist Christy Gordon for a look at 
the weather forecast. It looks chilly, Christy. It is a bit chilly. There's gusty winds and we've certainly seen a drop in temperature. So yes, I'm wearing my puffy, everyone, believe it or not. Uh, and this rain is pushed into the interior, the regions that were under a flood warning. We do have some good news for those areas and I'll show you that in a second. First, though, I want to show you some spectacular photos from Surrey. This one from Donna Marshall, just a stunning shot of spring flowers with a little bit of rain, of course, on it. Uh, thank you, Donna. And here's one more from her. I couldn't help but show you these ones. And here's a look at little pop Cyrus running through the spring flowers there. Yes, it's still spring, everyone, despite the fact that it has been a little cooler and we still have more rain on the way for us tomorrow. So uh, these areas in orange are the areas that are under a flood watch. They were under a flood warning. They've now been downgraded. So that is good news. But although we're seeing the rainfall in through that region, the freezing level has dropped. So we are seeing snowfall over higher elevations versus snow melt. So that's the good news there. And we are going to see that uh, freezing level maintain that way over the next 24 hours with the bulk of the moisture falling along the coastal region, central coast tomorrow, but still more showers for the interior. But I guess that is not too bad considering we could see rainfall right up to the mountain tops this time of year, but that's not going to be the case. For our region, we'll mainly see the rain through the afternoon, whereas Vancouver Island will see it first. Thursday, Friday, still looking pretty nice. I've put in a slight chance of showers there, just of a sprinkle possible those two days. But otherwise, I'll leave you with our central windows weather window. One more from Dawn. I just couldn't help it. Another great mm -hmm. shot of spring flowers. All right, back to you guys. That is beautiful. Thanks, Christy. Well, we've seen a lot of birthday parades during this pandemic, but not many can top the one today on Vancouver's West End from Margaret McDonald. Happy birthday, Margaret. Not just balloons, signs, and good wishes from friends and family, Margaret also celebrated her 102nd birthday with the Vancouver Fire and Police Departments, including members of the VPD's Mounted Unit. All of this as friends, families, and neighbours watched, keeping their distance, many from their balconies. All to honour Margaret, who was once an Air Force officer and a medical social worker. I'm like exactly what's yeah. happening my cat on on floor. Our VPD, I've lived in four cities and our, our officers here are the best and I and I, I love our mounted unit. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> She's lived 102 years, but it's probably a first for her. No doubt. I wonder if she put some votes in for this. <laughs> Who are the, what's the top line well, she, of defensemen? She has been around long enough. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to think. 102, well, maybe not. I mean, she could have put in Cyclone Taylor. <laughs> but I don't think she would That's have going way back. Cyclone. That's going back. But uh, anyway, the uh, CFL says it's too short to go long, and it needs government money. The league is asking the feds, feds make that for an influx of cash right now and a lot more if they have to cancel the season. Also coming up, one for me and one for you. How a Victoria company is giving away masks to the homeless.
COVID-19 is taking down just about everything and everyone, and uh, the CFL is no different here. Yes, well, being a league that needs to sell tickets to survive, CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi has basically gone to the federal government with his helmet in his hand, asking for a bailout. They want $30 million, the CFL, to keep teams going right now and through what would likely be a shorter schedule of games. However, if they can't play any games in 2020, the CFL would like a total of $120 million from taxpayers to keep the league afloat until 2021. Now, this is a much different version of the Hail Mary, but it is a Hail Mary pass nonetheless. The feds have not answered them as of yet. Unlike other pro leagues in North America, the CFL is never flush with cash. There are always teams suffering financially without enough fans like the BC Lions in recent years. But the bailout could be a tough sell, given that the CFL doesn't just employ Canadians, but a lot of American players who don't even live in Canada year-round. But I guess it doesn't hurt to ask. Well, yesterday it was the goalies. Today it's the men who play in front of the goalies. Six defensemen voted on by you to be on the Canucks' all-time roster. And of the six, I do believe that all but one played in the 21st century and two are still with the team. The Canucks' first ever goal was actually scored by a defenseman, Barry Wilkins. But in 50 years, Vancouver has yet to find a superstar defenseman of their own. They tried in the very first draft with Dale Talon. It's been elusive, so much so that we allowed Quinn Hughes to be in the voting for the all-time team, even though he's technically a rookie. But despite that, his first year made such an impression that he was voted as one of the Canucks' top six defensemen. Top of the circle. Back to Hughes, one-timer, Joining Hughes on the blue line will be another former first-round pick who worked out pretty well for the Canucks, Matthias Oland, a guy who has the respect of everybody he played with, the only defenseman in the Canucks' ring of honour. He played big, he played hurt, he played a lot, and he could score a bit too. That was a, a great thing for the team to have. For just not being a good defenseman, defending well too, but he was exceptionally good offensively. Also on the team is fellow Swede Alex Edler, the highest scoring defenseman in Canucks history. A player Vancouver discovered before most teams knew he existed. Yes, uh, I did see him playing in a lower division sort of situation in Sweden and there wasn't too many other scouts that knew about him. In his case, I would say he has an excellent hockey sense, reading the game way ahead than most other guys would do. Next comes Jovokov, Ed Jovanovsky. To Marcus Naslin, Jovanovsky to the net, he He came to the Canucks from Florida in the Pavel Bure deal, and he was part of Canada's gold medal winning team at the 2002 Olympics. There was certainly a lot of drive in 55. Before he started getting hurt, he was the Canucks' best offensive defenseman. And he was as popular with the fans as our next defenseman. Juice, Kevin Bieksa, who scored the most famous goal for a defenseman in Canucks history. The guy went to bat, not only on the ice, but to the media consistently and kind of took the heat and, and, and dealt with... Um, some hard spots to be in um, and, and no one asked him to do it, he just did it. Last but not least is Yerky Lume. Yeah, Yerky was uh, very underrated, uh, great defensively, but also really good offensively. He was uh, 
really good on the power play and I, and I think that, you know, he helped us a lot. Now I have to say I misspoken that. I meant to say Olin is the only one of the six in the Ring of Honor because of course Harold Snaps is in the Ring of Honor as well and he was a defenseman and I guess technically you could say Pat Quinn is in the Ring of Honor but not as a defenseman as of course a coach and GM. Tomorrow we'll take a look at the four centers that you have chosen. All right, with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, Jameis Winston has signed a one-year deal with the New Orleans Saints to be Drew Brees' backup. He was the number one overall pick in 2015, but last year, despite throwing 33 touchdown passes, he also threw 30 interceptions. And there you go. All right. Thank you, Squire. Here's Andrew now with a preview of Global News at 11. Anne? Thanks, Chris. Recycle BC wants British Columbians to use their time at home during the pandemic to become better recyclers. Plus, could the price of beef be going up? McDonald's Canada says it will start importing beef as our country's supply chain struggles to meet demand amid COVID-19. Experts say consumers can expect to see meat shortages. And we all know many sidewalks are too narrow for social distancing. What BC's capital city is doing to open up some of of its streets to pedestrians. Those stories and more when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Sophie, Chris. Sounds good. Thank you, Ann. Up next, the two-for-one mask deal you won't want to miss. Well, we, of course, want to thank everyone for their BC Healthcare Hero nominations. We've been receiving so many of them, all incredibly deserving nominees. It's hard to choose, so thank you and keep them coming. For sure. Tonight's hero comes from Dora Crilly. She's nominated, uh, nominating her son-in-law, Jody Marshall. Jody has two jobs, both in healthcare, while his primary position is as a first responder program instructor. That's been halted due to the outbreak of COVID-19. He's also a dedicated paramedic with the Squamish station, and he commutes from Coquitlam, from Coquitlam to Squamish for his 12-hour shifts whenever he has to. Dora says Jody has a huge heart. He would not only give you the shirt off his back, but during this crisis, he'd make sure that it was coronavirus cleansed <laughs> as well. Safety first, of course. Yeah. Jody, Dora, your wife Nikki, and your two sons, Sam and Max, say you are their healthcare hero. And we also want to thank you for your dedication to BC, especially right now. Even bigger kudos to him because the nomination came from his mother-in-law. Exactly. If you have a healthcare hero you want to nominate, send your pictures and some information about what makes your nominee so special to BC Healthcare Heroes at globalnews.ca. All right, more heroism to tell you about, too. A Victoria-based company has joined the effort to make non-medical masks for the public, but there's a bit of a twist in this case. The company vowed to make extra an extra mask for every mask it sold, with the duplicates going to help the most vulnerable. As Brad McLeod reports, it's just one of many businesses doing their part. Fences are going up around Topaz Park and Pandora Avenue in Victoria, meant to keep new people out. That's because BC Housing just started keeping track of the tenters and their needs should they be sheltered. They're being assessed for drug dependency, mental health concerns, asked if they have a pet or a partner. With exponentially increased crime, it's hard to see past the mess, but many Victorians still see the most vulnerable. One shuttered clothing store on Lower Johnson decided to make stylish masks with a bonus. Buy one for yourself. Someone who's homeless 
gets a mask too. We sold out probably within the first hour of us launching it. The masks sell for $24 and are made in Vancouver, but because it's two for one. On average, we're either making 85 cents or losing about $1.50 mattering on shipping handling. So protection, check. What about food? Some local restaurants have that covered. My business partner, Chris Jones, has, has helped develop it, um, called Boxes of Hope. And we're putting together boxed meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And the Boxes for Hope program also allowed some restaurant employees to keep their jobs through the COVID crisis. Food? Check. What about getting it to the folks? Downtown Victoria Business Association put a call out and it was just immediately filled. Janine Theobald manages the Topaz Park operation and says volunteers are making this precarious park stay relatively safe, even answering the call to clean. Of having the showers cleaned after each individual under COVID protocols, so that was a huge, huge need that has been filled. So far, it doesn't seem like many have moved but homeless advocates and the indispensable volunteers hope these people get sheltered soon in time for that looming May 9th deadline. Brad McLeod, Global News, Victoria. So they got uh, 400 mask sales, which means two for one, 400 extra masks are being made. Uh, to help the most vulnerable. So not, not, not bad for a project that started with a goal of selling 50 masks. Yeah, exactly. So they've done very, very well. <laughs> uh, okay, let's check in with Christy again in the puffy jacket, uh, an indicator of the, of the cold. <laughs> but I should say my tie was inspired mm -hmm. by the cherry blossoms that seem to be popping everywhere right now, Christy. Good for you. Yes, absolutely. So still signs of spring everywhere. Don't let my puffy jacket deter you. <laughs> we still have more spring on the way. Tomorrow we'll see rain in the afternoon and temperatures will be similar to today, but Thursday and Friday look pretty nice. That's for sure. I want to know what Squire's tie inspiration was. Uh, I hadn't worn it in a while. <laughs> it's good. good Back that's why. <laughs> Thanks everybody. Oh, that's a cool shot of the Weston. Have a good night. Good night all.